Welcome home to Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you're a longtime member or worshiping with us for the very first time, it is our joy to welcome you. Whether you are worshiping with us here in the sanctuary or worshiping from the comfort of your home, we welcome you. We are thrilled you have chosen to worship with us today. As a reminder, for those of you who may not have been in worship with us yet, your worship leaders, myself today, and our pastoral intern, Molly Ramsey, we will remove our masks while we are speaking, but then you will see each of us put it back on uh, as we participate in worship alongside each of you. So we ask that you also keep your masks on, covering both your mouth and your nose for the whole time we are here together in worship. My friends, today we continue our journey into Scripture exploring the unexpectedness of our God. God is always at work in unexpected ways, today in a very unexpected ending. God works in unexpected people, unexpected circumstances. God often pushes the boundaries of what we've come to expect in this world. And so let us open our hearts, let us open our minds to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Let us worship God together. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, we will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and under God's wings you will find refuge. We will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, when we call to the Lord, God will answer. God will be with us in trouble. God will guard us in all our ways. Let us worship God together. With the Most High as our refuge, we have gathered together to praise God. So, too, we gather together to confess our shortcomings. Let us boldly confess our sin before the one who already knows our errors, the one who is gracious to forgive our faults, both seen and unseen. Merciful God, there is so much that we allow to separate us from one another. Wealth and status color and sexuality, privilege and power. There is so much that we turn away from in your world out of discomfort, fear, disgust, or apathy. Forgive us, O God, even when we are so undeserving. Free us from our slavery to sin and death. Free our hearts from the hardness we have created between ourselves and others. Free us from our instincts to serve only ourselves. Instill in us your love, your justice, your mercy, and your welcome. May we create a welcome that is wide enough for all.
Beloved of God, there is nothing in all the world that can separate you from God's love. There is nothing you could do or say that would keep God from loving you. Together, let us proclaim this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. As we prepare our hearts to hear God's word, let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. 
they should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Merciful God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable this day in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus tells a parable this morning. It's a startling parable because we come face to face with the reality that according to Jesus, our behavior, our choices in this life could have lasting eternal consequences in the life to come. It's a frightening parable because when given the choice between the two main characters, we are quick to identify with the rich man in the story. He doesn't make out too well. It's a unique parable in the Gospels because for the first time ever in any parable, we learn someone's name. It's not just a widow or a laborer or a prodigal son this time. It's someone with a name. Jesus doesn't introduce us to a poor man, but to Lazarus. And despite the fact that Lazarus has been living on the streets day after day, month after month, perhaps even year after year, despite the fact that Lazarus is dirty and filthy and covered in sores, despite the fact that Lazarus seems to perpetually be ignored and forgotten by the world, such that the only creatures who seem to acknowledge his existence are the dogs who lick his wounds. Despite all of this, Jesus tells us his name to remind us that God has never forgotten Lazarus. God has always known Lazarus, even if the world didn't care to know him at all. But we are startled, to say the least, when the one who has been forgotten by the world is resting in the eternal comfort of the arms of Abraham. And the one who we more readily identify with is the one burning and rotting in the fires of hell. Come with me briefly to Montgomery, Alabama. I've shared this story before, but it bears repeating. The year was 1949. The South was in the throes of racial segregation. Vernon Johns, a firebrand for equality, was the pastor at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. One weekday morning, Reverend Johns, as was his custom, arranged the letters on the sign out front to announce the sermon topic for the coming Sunday. And what a shock to the good people of Montgomery abiding by the laws of racial separation to see the preacher's sermon title spelled out on the marquee, Segregation After Death. 
Now, many of Montgomery's white leaders were unnerved by the title. Johns was summoned to the chief of police to come and explain himself. And the scripture text for John's sermon was the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, the same as ours today. Having ignored Lazarus all his life, the rich man was shocked to look up from hell and see Lazarus, the beggar, in heaven. The rich man begged Abraham, send Lazarus with some water to ease my torment. But Abraham said there was a great chasm fixed between them, a chasm that could no longer be crossed. And that chasm, said Vernon Johns to the police chief, was segregation because it separated people and blinded them to their common humanity. So much so that the rich man still thought Lazarus was his servant. Father Abraham, send your boy, Lazarus, with some water for me. Vernon John said it was not money that sent the rich man to hell so much as the blindness that his wealth and status and privilege created. The deepest evil of segregation, John's argued, was that it meant becoming blind to people and completely failing to see their humanity. Father Abraham, send your boy. Lord knows there are plenty of ways that we fail to see the humanity in one another today. Lord knows there are plenty of ways we keep blinding ourselves to the children of God sitting at any number of gates. As if this election season doesn't bring out the worst in us already, let's add a global pandemic to top it off. We'd like to pretend Reverend Johns has nothing to say to us. We'd like to pretend he must have dialed the wrong number. We'd like to pretend we're not rich enough or privileged enough to be at risk of this kind of blindness. But the truth is, we are. The truth is that more times than we can count these days, we are blinding ourselves to the humanity of different groups of people. We are making blanket assumptions about people. We are reacting in hatred toward people who God is calling us to love. None of us want to admit that we recognize this chasm or that we know what goes on in the chasm or that, God forbid, we contribute to the chasm. And yet we all do it. We add to the width and depth of the chasm every time. Every time we fail to see the humanity of a child of God. Every time we avoid knowing someone's name or knowing someone's story. Every time we just group people together in a giant ball of our own assumptions, we are failing to see their humanity. And most of the time, we're content not seeing it. Because if we saw it, if we acknowledged it, if we took it in, if we took another person's humanity into ourselves, it would make our life a lot more complicated. 
we might have to wrestle with some of our assumptions. We might have to challenge the worldview we have created to protect us. We might have to hold up a mirror to our own hearts and ask if we are ever going to be able to practice what we preach and care to close the chasm. And so to quote our scripture, if Moses wasn't enough, if the prophets were not enough, if a man rising from the dead was not enough, if Vernon Johns was not enough, if the hateful, divisive, vitriolic state of our country was not enough, then my God, friends, what will be enough? Friends, there has never, never been a more important time for Christians to remember who they are, whose they are. There has never been a more important time for Christians to rise above the fray of vitriol and hate and divisiveness and assumptions because the chasm that distance created where we are unable to see one another's humanity, it is growing at an alarming rate. And the wider the chasm between us, the harder and harder it becomes to cross. There are plenty of people who we can picture in our minds who we have not given a name, we have given a category. Fearmongers, illegals, thugs, anti-maskers, Democrats, Republicans, a category. We've given people a category. An easy way to keep people where we want them and how we want them. So we can continue to spew hate when we feel like it, continue to make assumptions about them, continue to pretend we know everything about them. But every time we do that, every single time, we are no better than this rich man who has found himself in the throes of hell. Because we, too, are growing blind to the common humanity that we share. And we are contributing to this chasm that grows rapidly by the day. A life of discipleship demands, demands that we be willing to cross the chasm. That we be willing to tear down the division and the hatred and the vitriol and the assumptions because our very souls are in jeopardy if we don't. But let me be very clear. Crossing the chasm does not mean bending toward neutrality. It does not mean idolizing the lukewarmth of the middle, pretending that the center is the holy ground we are seeking. Because there is plenty of brokenness in this world, my friends, where neutrality would be antithetical to the gospel. There are plenty of places in this world, plenty of brokenness in this world, where agreeing to disagree will be antithetical to the gospel. 
plenty of places where choosing the middle ground will be antithetical to the gospel. Because God chose sides, my friends. We don't like to hear it. We don't like to admit it. But God chooses sides. And as our story today is quick to remind us, God chooses the side of the oppressed and the broken and the lost and the vulnerable and the orphan and the widow and the beggar and reminds each of them, you are beloved of God. And God reminds each of us in this story today that unless we are crossing the chasm to choose the side of the oppressed and the broken and the lost and the vulnerable and the orphan and the widow and the beggar, we are not living as the people of God and our souls are in jeopardy if we don't. I originally expected to be speaking to you about money today. And perhaps at this point you would have preferred that. After all, the gospel writer Luke makes no secret of the fact that money, privilege, power, it's only going to make it more complicated. It's only going to make that chasm wider and deeper. By now, you should have received an estimate of giving card in your mailbox at home. And as I do every year, I will encourage you to prayerfully consider what you can give to the church this coming year in gratitude for all that God has given you and all that God has given in our life together. But I'm also going to urge you this year to give because I believe the soul of our country is in jeopardy if we don't. The soul of our country needs the love of Christ more than ever. The soul of our country needs a love that never forgets that every child of God has a name. It needs a love that comes not to be served. Father Abraham, send your boy, but to serve. The soul of our country needs a love that will never forget the humanity in one another. It needs a love that never spews hatred toward another child of God. It needs a love that will upend any table that has no place for all. It needs a love that does not turn to rhetoric like, well, they did it first. They do things that are worse. They deserve it because the soul of our country needs a love that will defend the weak and lift up the widow and the orphan and the beggar and go in search of the lost and give them seats of honor. It needs a love that will bring justice to the oppressed and remind every child of God they do not just matter in this world. They are beloved of God. The soul of our country, friends, 
The soul of this world needs the love of Christ more than ever, and it needs you and you and you to be an example of that love every single moment of every single day. It will not always be comfortable or easy. It will not always be the popular choice. It will not win you points with your friends. It will not get you invited to dinner parties. It will not win you votes or elections in the kingdom of this world, but it will save your soul, friends, in the kingdom of God. Between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed forever, proclaimed Father Abraham. But that was your doing in the life that you were given. May it not be so for us, my friends. May it not be so for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Having heard the word proclaimed, let us join together as we affirm our faith through the words of a brief statement of faith, a confession of the Presbyterian Church USA. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. My friends, for the next few minutes, we are going to sit in the stillness of God's presence and take some time to reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed today. Because we cannot yet sing safely together and because we are a congregation worshiping both from the sanctuary and from homes, this is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in this place and in all the places where we are worshiping today. 
So for the next few minutes, let us open our hearts and our minds to the gift of God's presence here. Let us pray. As the leaves begin to fall, as the rains come and the air turns, as the nearby fields are harvested, we see and hear and feel the changes coming in your world, O oh God. We delight in the hues of green transformed into a multitude of color. We stand in awe as humidity is replaced with crispness and as the evenings become robust, as fire pits and fireplaces transform into spaces of community. We are humbled as the heaters kick on and we become grateful for the homes in which we reside, for the heat 
which warms the coolness of the night. With gratitude, we thank you for the gifts of a new day, breath anew, and for those we love. We admit we might be a bit tired of those with whom we've spent more time than usual this spring and summer. Open our eyes, O oh God, to the truth that our love for one another, no matter how imperfect, is a gift from you. Thank you for the gift of love and the gift of faith. As we reflect on the changing of seasons and the gifts of our families, our loved ones, friends, and neighbors, even those with whom we are strangers, we cannot ignore the chasms which extend between so many of us. We fear the distance may be as deep as it is wide, O oh God. As we look around and begin to notice our role in creating distance, in developing hierarchies of worthiness, let us not end up isolated, left standing apart from those with whom we actually have much in common. May we see each other, May we embrace the stranger. May you lead us across the separation, O oh God. Your scriptures proclaim that you cause the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust, that your mercy and grace fall on the just and the unjust. This morning, we lift up to you the chasms of our lives, those who stand on either side as well as those in the space between. Yes, the just and the unjust, but also the poor and the wealthy, the free and the oppressed, the reconciled and those which groan for restoration, the healthy and the sick, the foolish and the wise, those in the center and those on the margins the unemployed and the employed, the righteous and the unrighteous, the guilty and the innocent, the church and the other, and dare we utter it, the Democrat and the Republican. Across the distance, seemingly so far, nothing to bridge the gap which exists between. Guide us that we might see one another, not as familiar and stranger, not with labels of society, but called by name, each as a child of God. Remind us that we were once the stranger, and that perhaps we are the stranger still, even to ourselves. Remind us again of our common humanity. Remind us that our fear does not get the last word, but that your perfect love casts out fear. Hear our prayers, O oh God. Prayers for the congregation and leadership of Morrisville Presbyterian Church and our witness to your call on our communal life. Hear our prayers for the sick, for those who are in need of comfort, compassion, healing, and even endurance. Hear our prayers for our nation. Hear our prayers for those most often forgotten. Hear our prayers for those who are suffering. 
hear our prayers for ourselves, for they are many. Call to us, O God, let us hear your voice. May it pull us forward and accompany us across the distance, closer to the stranger and closer to you. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, it will not be easy but may we have the courage to cross the chasm. Always mindful that on the other side sits a child of God, one we are called to love. As we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.